Let's open up in prayer, and then we'll get into Genesis chapter 1. If you guys are like, where's Genesis? Just open to the beginning of the Bible, okay? I'm so excited that we've been able to jump in and get into this study. So Father in heaven, we are so thankful and grateful for this morning. Uh, Just opportunity to gather together in your name, Jesus, to seek your face. Lord, to worship together, to open your word. God, and we are so thankful that the volume of this book is about you and that we have opportunity this morning to to learn, Father. And we just don't want to know stuff, God. We want to we want to have you get it into our hearts in a way, Father, that really changes our lives, our thinking, um, just our attitudes about you and others. Um, so please, would you just come and speak to us, Father, and, and teach us this morning. We want to hear from you. We ask in your name. Amen. So this morning, guys, I'm going to be looking at chapter 1 again. And if you guys recall, last week we got into four words, or that was two weeks ago. Four words in Genesis. In the beginning, God. Okay. So what did God do in the beginning? Well, we're told here that he created. Okay, And that's the Hebrew word bara. And uh, this word bara here uh, is used in God's creative action. Okay, there's other words that are used for creation or created, but this one is specifically unique to the book of Genesis, and it's used a few times. I just want to share a few of those references with you guys so you can see the context to the uniqueness of God. Okay, in the beginning, he created something from nothing, and that's pretty important, isn't it? Because we can make things. Some of you guys are wonderful bakers, okay? You make wonderful cakes for people like me to eat. And we're very thankful for that. But you're able to do that from something, okay? And the cool thing to think about, God was able to make things much more complex than a cake, more beautiful than a cake, out of nothing, okay? That's the, that's the idea here. So just a few of the verses, if you're taking notes, okay? The sense of creation here, the word bar is also found um, in verse 1, as we saw here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We also see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, and so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems and their kinds according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then down in verse 27, so God created man. Out of nothing, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Chapter 2, we find another one in verse 3. And God blessed the seventh day that he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that had or he had done. And also verse 4 of that chapter says, And this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord made the earth and the heavens. And then in chapter 5, we see Bara used in verse 1. This is a written account of Adam's line when he created man. He made him in the likeness of God. And again, the words used in verse 2, he created them male and female. And then the last one we find is in chapter 6, verse 7. It says, so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created, bara, from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and all the birds of the air, 
for I am grieved that I have made them. And you guys may be like, what's this verse about? Hey, just hang in there for a couple months. We're going to get there, Lord willing. Um, but I want to share with you guys um, an article, okay? Um, and it's not from a Christian perspective, uh, but you guys have heard me throw around the idea of how foolish it is that we actually believe and are actually teaching our children that everything that there is came from nothing, okay? It, it, it's crazy. It, it was created by God, okay? Nothing just didn't evolve into what we have today. That, that's just foolish, impossible, and we're going to consider a little bit of that this morning. But what I'd like to share with you guys in an article from the Scientific American, you guys ever read, okay? Very popular. You start Googling anything about evolution, normally one of their articles are the first ones to pop up. But I'd like to share with you an article that I found here on the inflatory or <coughs> flationary universe. It says uh, here, in the past few years, certain flaws in the standard Big Bang theory and cosmology have led to the development of a new model of a very early history of the universe. The model, known as the inflationary universe, agrees precisely with generally accepted description of the observed universe for all times after the first 10 to 30 seconds. For this first fraction of a second, however, the story is dramatically different. According to the inflationary model, the universe had a brief period of extraordinary rapid inflation and or expansion during uh, which the diameter increased by a factor perhaps 1,050 times larger than had been thought. In the course of this stupendous growth spurt, all the matter and energy in the universe could have been created from virtually nothing. From a historical point of view, probably the most revolutionary aspect of this inflationary model is uh, the notion that all the matter and energy in the observable universe may have emerged from almost nothing. This claim stands in marked contrast to the centuries of scientific tradition in which it was believed that something cannot come from nothing. So the total energy is then zero and it's consistent with the evolution in the universe from nothing. And if grand unified theories are correct in their prediction that the barren number is not conserved, or <coughs> conserved uh, there is no known con or, uh, conservation law that prevents the observed universe from evolving out of nothing. So the inflationary model of the universe provides a possible mechanism by which the observed universe could have evolved from an in uh, infinitesimal region. And catch this, it ends by saying, it then became tempting to go one step further and to speculate that the entire universe evolved from literally nothing. Wow. This is our scientific magazines, guys. And people believe it. Now, one thing I want us to understand is if we're able to accept, and we spent a whole study just looking at the first four words of Genesis 1-1, 
Uh, if we're able to accept this first verse in the Bible as it is, we won't have any difficulties with the rest of God's word. Okay? But if we do question the first verse in the Bible, then we're going to have problems throughout the Bible. How many of you guys believe that God created? Yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> I love studying the scriptures, guys. How many times does God lay hold claim to being the creator he loves to describe himself as the creator and if anyone so many of you guys can testify and share with us how you are a new creation in christ jesus when you are born again in the spirit you are a new creation that's what god does he's making things new all the time we just finished revelation he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth isn't he that's what he does i love it so, um, I feel before we jump in um, a little more into the beginning of Genesis here, I want to lay out, because there's a lot of questions, and I had several conversations this week where uh, we discuss different views that Christians have when it comes to creation. And I just really briefly, like we could take a whole morning to talk about each one of them and why they would believe these different views of creation. I just want to give us a little glimpse into each one because some of you guys have heard of some different theories or thoughts when it comes to creation. Um, so among Bible-believing, okay, Christians who believe the Bible, um, I see at least six primary different views that churches, believers, hold to when it comes to creationism. Um, Paul sells, sells us in the scriptures uh, that we only now see uh, in part, okay? But one day we're actually going to be in the presence of Jesus and we're going to be able to see everything fully. And there are those things that we as believers, we have faith in, but we don't know exactly how they work out, okay? We have the essentials that are very clear in Scripture. We can't mess with those. But there are some things that are taught in the Bible that, hey, it's not really clear what it exactly looks like or how it exactly is going to play out, Okay, um, and it's not worth bringing division over because that's not the heart of God. Should we debate as Christians? Absolutely. I think we should have discussion. And when we sit down with other believers, when it comes to creation and what we may personally think the Bible teaches on it, and we sit down with another believer that wouldn't agree with us, okay, it shouldn't cause division, okay, especially within the body of Christ. It's not worth it because let me tell you what, were any of you guys there during creation? No, okay? Um, and that's part of the problem when it comes to this whole thing of creation and evolution being taught because, hey, no one was actually there <laughs> to observe. Like we laid out last time, we know the one who was there, okay? We can prove that the Bible is supernatural, that this is God-breathed and from him, and we know for sure that he was the only one that was there. So if he speaks to it, I'm going to trust him over some dude's theories on things. So when it comes to the scriptures, guys, um, I'm going to lay out the first one for us. It's young earth creationism. Uh, this is what I would hold to uh, when it comes to creation. It's the view that God created the entire universe, including Adam and Eve in that literal six days of creation that we read about here in Genesis chapter 1, and seek really to be faithful to the literal interpretation of the Bible. 
Okay, that's where you would land here. And it affirms the entire universe is less than about 6,000 years uh, old. And it interprets the data of science in terms uh, of inspired scripture. We always go back, okay? Science is saying this. How does it line up with the word of God? Because as we pointed out last time, science is always changing. The word of God doesn't change, okay? It, it is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, okay? This is going to be it. So if something is saying something contrary to the word, guess what? As we see, science is always catching up to what the word of God says. Uh, so that's where I, I put my faith. I'm just going to trust God. This is what you say. Really, is the earth just 6,000 years old? Well, if we go back, you ever wonder why when we start reading the Bible, why do we have all these crazy genealogies? Okay? Really, do we have the first man and woman? And do we really have their genealogies all the way to Jesus? Yeah, that was about 4,000 years if you go back and add them all up. You guys can do that for fun. If you do, I'd love to see the data. But <laughs> we know it's about 4,000 years. And we know, hey... We're living in uh, 2021, so about 2,000 years ago, that's when Jesus came. So we've been around for about 6,000 years, according to the Bible. So much more could be said about this, and I'd love to speak more to this, and we might in the future. But for time's sake, we're going to move on to the different views, because I want us to get an understanding of where other believers are and what they think and other churches may teach. Um, and if you're not a young earth creation person, that's totally fine. I love coffee and I love talking about this stuff, so let's get together. Um, historic creationism. How many of you guys have heard of this before? Okay, handful of you guys. A lot of churches, Bible-believing, I would say young earth um, creationism and historic creationism are probably the two that are uh, mostly wide-held among uh, different Christians. And this would teach us that God created what he created in the first uh, verse of the Bible is really an undefined period of time. Okay, We don't really know. It could have been just a moment or it could have been millions of years. We don't know for sure. And God before was uh, preparing the unhabitable land. Okay, It's always been here for whatever super length of time is what most of them think. And it's going to be... Uh, prepared and created by God for mankind. So the preparation of the uncultivated land uh, and the creation of Adam and Eve occurred in, they believe, a six-day a six literal version, but they believe that the earth okay, and the heavens, everything had already been here for quite a while. God just stepped in at a point to do more creating um, in a literal 24-hour days uh, that we read here in Genesis. So this view leaves open the possibility of an earth, an old earth, and also a six-day young earth of humanity. I've had fun conversations with people who hold to this view. Um, there's also some holes in it, um, but I see holes in all of them, if we're honest. Again, were any of us there? <laughs> Do we, you know, I'm just going to bank on what God says. Another one, how many of you guys have heard of the gap theory before? Okay, and there's a good handful of people who hold to the gap theory in some very well-respected men that I enjoy reading their books, but I don't understand why they believe this. Well, what's the gap theory, Pastor? I'm glad you guys asked. See, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it tells and explains that creation that happened perhaps billions of years ago, okay? Then there was some catastrophe that took place, some huge event, and likely that's when Satan fell from heaven and came to 
earth, okay? So there's a gap, they say, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 2, or verse 1, verse 2. So there's a gap there. So God responded to this disaster that took place by Satan falling, everything falling apart, and he recreated the earth again, okay, uh, a few thousand years later in a six-literal day, repopulating the earth um, as recorded in the rest of Genesis chapter 1. So according to this view, the earth is old from the first uh, creation and mankind is young because of the more recent creation. Does that make sense? That's what they think and hold to. So the problems with this view, guys, would include for you and I uh, the fact that nothing in the Bible ever speaks of two creations. I haven't found it. I don't see it anywhere in the Bible taught. Also, the end of the six days of creation, God declared that all that he made was very good, which is not, uh, it doesn't go with the rest of what God's declared. Like if he created and it fell apart and it was horrible and there was death and disaster and chaos, how can you say that was very good? It just, it's not consistent, okay? Um, another view is the literary frame view, uh, framework view. So some look, and there's some good books out there on, on this, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, that they're intended to be uh, in a figurative framework, work explaining um, when it comes to creation and the topic of it, it's not actually in a sequential order that we see in the scriptures, that the six days that we read about in creation uh, in Genesis 1 here are also interpreted uh, metaphorically, okay? So not literal 24-hour days, and there's not a literal framework. So they really believe that there was the forming of all things, creation, day one, light, darkness, they separated. Day two, skies and water separated. Day three, dry land and water separated, plants and trees. And then day four begins a filling that God did. This is what they believe. The sun, the moon, the stars, uh, the lights in heaven. Day five, birds and fish. Day six, animals and man. So admittedly, if we're honest with the scriptures, okay, and we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God does, he speaks of creation creatively by including poetry, okay? These scriptures in the Hebrew, this is poetic scripture. But the problem I have with it, poetic language, when it's used elsewhere in the Bible, guys, it's always communicating to you and I a literal truth, never metaphorical. So when they come to that conclusion, it doesn't jive with the rest of the Bible and how we study it. Is this helpful, guys? A little bit of you? Okay, we're almost done. Day-age view. In this view, God created the universe, including Adam and Eve, in six sequential periods of time. Okay, so these different geological uh, ages. So not a literal 24-hour day. So... The biggest problem with this view is that the order of the events in the six days is not the same order that we find in Scripture. And the sun appears on day four. So another problem also is this view is that the six days of creation seem clearly to be literal days. Uh, and we're going to further explore that, Lord willing, as we study through this. Um, and then the last one, and this is probably... Uh, <laughs> it's held by a lot of believers... Which, which is sad, but the theistic evolution. Um, in this view, guys, God essentially began creation and then pulled back from working directly with it. Instead, through the process of natural processes of evolution, that's how everything came to be. 
And this only exception was God involving himself directly again in making the human spirit. So for most part, guys, the view accepts the gnosis of uh, evolution, but seeks to insert God, um, sorry, the hypothesis of evolution, but it seeks to uh, insert God as a creator of matter and overseer just of this evolutionary process, which we don't see in scripture at all. It's not taught. It's not presented. So the problems with theistic evolution are many, but we will look at three briefly here. First, it inherits all scientific impossibilities of evolution as a theory of origins. Secondly, evolution teaches that one species evolves into another species, but we're told in Genesis 1, what? God created them according to their kind, okay? We've never seen one kind evolve into anything else doesn't happen you guys know the missing link is still missing okay that's the stuff i'd like to talk to you guys about but it comes back to we believe the word of god and when we begin to hold to these different theories guys this is what ends up happening and one other one i want to share really quick on the theistic evolution the rest of scripture uh, would portray god as continually involved in the details of creation including making of grass grow feeding the birds the feeding of creatures but scripture clearly does not paint god as some remote or uh, indirectly involved uh, with creation okay he's very much involved with creation okay he's very much here right now with us um yeah so let's consider creation versus evolution for a moment um It'd be very easy to take the whole morning just to sit and talk on this. There are so many phenomenal resources out there, uh, so many great books that have been written. Uh, it is something that we need to be real about, that we do need to acknowledge, because the reality is uh, we've taken God away um, from our society as a whole. Okay? There is no God. We're teaching our children, again, right across the street, that there is no God. Um, and we're not allowed to teach that there is a creator, okay? Even though we have creation, there is no creator. That's what we're telling people. Many of us have been brainwashed that way since we were very young, right? How many of you guys love watching those nature documentaries? I love that kind of stuff. Almost catch it. Pay attention. The next time you turn one on and you're watching with your kids, it starts off. The first thing you're going to learn, millions and millions of years ago, Again, they don't know that for sure. They weren't there. It is a theory. It's not been proven. I love how times are changing. You know, when I was in high school, it was X billion, million, or billions of years, you know, the universe was existent, you know, and then when it went up a few billion years, you know, I'm not that old, but science has now changed their mind and they've added a ton of time to it, you know. And now there's this whole Hubble constant thing, and now they've re revised it. I think it was at 13.6 billion years. They're pretty certain it was right in that framework. Now they're looking, no, it's closer to 11.4. It's always changing with them. Okay, why? Because they're, they weren't there. The data's off. Carbon dating can show one thing and show something totally different. You guys know that they have carbon dated live animal bones that comes up at thousands and thousands of years old? Okay, the method is off, okay? There's no certainty on it. What we can do is see things that we do observe, okay, and the science that we do use, what is it showing us? Is it consistent, okay? Is it logical? Is it reasonable? Can we conclude these things? And there's a lot of holes in the evolutionary theory, 
Guys, because if it was true, it wouldn't be a theory any longer. You guys understand that? It would be provable, but it's still a theory. There are so many holes, and the more they study and the more science they are able to understand and get, okay, it's just getting farther and farther out there of actually being reasonable. Okay. Anyways, um, you guys may have heard back in 62, we took the Bibles out of school. There was the Engel versus Vitell uh, <coughs> ruling that pulled um, uh, Bibles out of schools. And then in 63, the Supreme Court, as a result of all that stuff going down, um, the, the court, Supreme Court, um, they said anything school-sponsored, prayer or Bible reading, they declared as being unconstitutional. Now, what has happened in the last 60 years, guys? Okay. Some of you guys have been around that long. Um, we saw instantly this moment... Uh, Bibles were taken out of school. Do you guys know that the first thing we printed in the United States were Bibles? And the reason was so we could teach our kids how to read. They were learning the word of God. And we take the Bibles out of the school, and you guys can go look at yourself. Divorce rates, crime, everything just skyrocketed. Wow, this ain't good for us. <laughs> God's right, and we need to know what he has to say, because he's right. Because let me tell you what, if we just go on what we believe is right, okay, moral, um, <laughs> according to man's uh, thought, it, it gets pretty messed up. Because let me tell you what, you might have an opinion, you might have an opinion on something, you might have an opinion. But when we just humble ourselves and say, hey, this is God's word, this is what he's declared. He's right. He sets the standards. Um, man, things gotten messy in the last 60 years had a hard year suicide has just skyrocketed this last year but if we're teaching our kids that you've just evolved from goo there's no reason for life there really is nothing everything you think and feel it's just things you know colliding in your brain telling you that it's, you don't really think you don't really have thought for yourself there is real no purpose and reason for anything here well, of course you're going to kill yourself you guys can begin to read some of the philosophers throughout the centuries. That's what they all conclude. There's no purpose here. You know, what's the point of living? Suicide, hey, that's a legitimate option. Unless there is a God that you've been created in his image, therefore you have a reason and a purpose. And according to the word of God, we've been created for his glory. There's definitely a reason here. We definitely have worth. But if we're not teaching our kids the truth... And we're just teaching them, hey, you're just an animal. Act like it. You know, Sonny comes home from school on Friday, and one of the other staff teachers there that she's gotten close to is they're leaving on Friday. They had two young boys in the class who decided to get in a fight. You know, and we talked a little bit, but how do you address that? Okay, how is the teacher supposed to respond in that situation? And why are these two boys acting and doing that anyways? You know, I would probably say they've been taught that they're animals. Survival of the fittest. I'm not getting my way. <laughs> I'm stronger than you. I'm going to make it happen. That's what's happening. How many millions of children, babies, have we murdered? Survival of the fittest. They don't have worth. That's okay. That's because evolution is being taught. How could the Holocaust happen? Evolution was taught in Germany, guys. 
and we have a Holocaust going on here today. How is this even allowed? I, honestly, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around how this even can happen, that we can kill our own children. It doesn't make sense to me at all. But I also haven't bought into the lie that we came from nothing, that our great-grandparents were apes. We have no reason, no purpose, so who cares if we kill our kids? A lot of you guys feel the exact same way, but it's because you know God and you know the truth. You believe Genesis. You believe that God created. So the missing link is still missing, guys. Um, I could talk so much on this, <laughs> but the reality is uh, when it comes to creation, believing God's word to be literal, okay? You guys know that God is holy, and we made, created everything. It was made right, whole, complete. He saw, we're going to read in a little bit, all that he created. He saw, and he said it was good, very good. But we sinned. And as a result of our sin, the fall came. Curse came. Okay. So when we hold to any other theory than taking the word of God literally, if there was death and chaos before Adam and Eve were created, it doesn't fit with the biblical narrative. That's why I personally hold to a young earth. I believe the word of God. There was a curse. We rebelled. Because we have the question. I had someone ask me this last week. Why all this suffering? Haven't we gone through enough this last year? Why is God allowing this? Why this new administration? Why this and why that? Guys, we get what we deserve. We rebelled against God. As we studied last week in Romans, we suppress the truth. And our minds have become debased. That's the result of it. When we ignore God, we reap the consequences of it. But when we believe God, if we can trust Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created, guess what? We now have purpose. Life is about so much more. And that's what I love about the Bible. Again, this book isn't a scientific book. It's a history book, and some of us love history. And guess what? God was there. <laughs> He's the one that knows it all from the beginning. And I think that's pretty cool to think about. And what a blessing and a privilege that we have it before us today to be able to know the truth, because when we know the truth, it's able to set us free. We're able to love God and love others, find purpose in life, reason in life, instead of things just being bleak dismal without hope guys do you see what's happening around us there's a lot of hopelessness but there is such a hope in jesus christ and the reality of the gospel even despite the fall the curse that we live under there is a remedy there are problems out there and the church has the solutions we have the truth and the world needs to hear what we're talking about this morning is very reasonable it's logical, okay? A theory that believes nothing just happened and we see all that we see from, no, it doesn't make sense, okay? Even the smartest people that we have, they have to conclude that there is a creator God. Stephen Hawkins, Richard Dawkins, all these guys we look to as leading atheists in the world, okay? you've read enough of their stuff they always conclude that there is a designer there there has to be but they don't want to deal with him and i read these atheists most of them come to that conclusion and they're honest enough to say but i don't want to deal with a god 
I want to do my own thing, be my own God. And that's what it really comes down to. That's why we suppress the truth, guys. Because if we do acknowledge that there's a creator, then he's right. And what he says is right. That killing our children isn't okay any longer. Lying, stealing, murdering, cheating. We can't do this any longer. You guys get that? But that's how wicked we are. Anyways, uh, I want to share just for a moment. I'd like you guys to turn to First Peter chapter 3 with me. Because um, uh, <laughs> we could talk this debate all morning long. There is so much... Um, that could be said. And I'm going to share with you guys in a little bit a few different resources, ministries out there uh, that really have a lot of great information and and tools, uh, articles, books that speak to these things. Um, And I will share those with you. But for us this morning, I want to consider 1 Peter chapter 3 together, verse 15. We're exhorted here as believers. This is The Apostle Peter, and he says to us, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So this is where we are exhorted as Christians. We need to be able to give a defense. Why do you have hope in Jesus? We should be able to share with people why we have hope in him, why we believe the gospel why we trust the word of God, why we believe that God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. For a lot of people, the first verse in the Bible is a stumbling block. Okay? They've been brainwashed since they were little that there is no God, and we just evolved, and this theory is true. So we're exhorted here to share this hope. And I want you guys to catch this word here for always be ready to give A defense here, okay? Defense is the Greek word apologia. It's where we get the word apologetics from. How many of you guys enjoy apologetics? Yeah, quite a few of you guys, okay? Um, We can spend a lot of time diving into why we believe what we believe. It's very logical and reasonable to believe the word of God, to believe the gospel, how Christianity is really set apart and is different from every other religion in the world. Um, even in the creation stuff, because science actually points to creation. Everything points to a designer, okay? That's the thing that's cool, and that's where evolution's having such a hard time, all these scientists, because what they are able to observe and learn and see is pointing to intelligent design. Well, what do we do with this? Well, we got to come up with other theories and excuses. Anyways, there's so much cool stuff out there. Even, did you guys see what I posted in our group thing? They just found this last week, Creation uh, Magazine put out. I forget... It could, t- anyways, some kind of dinosaur, forget the name of it, uh, live flesh on it from the Jurassic period. And they keep finding this stuff. Well, that's impossible to have live flesh on these dinosaurs being that old. You can't be 13 million plus years old, okay? T-Rex in Colorado a couple years ago, they found some life. You know, it's one of these things, why aren't these, you know, science schools actually sharing these findings hey this is what our scientists are actually finding right now and seeing oh because it would point to the earth maybe only being a thousand years old and maybe (laughs) but that's the thing we're just willing to ignore anyways uh what i want to share with you guys is just the importance of providing um a good 
defense to our faith. And you guys, it's giving a, an account or to provide a legal testimony. So a lot of us enjoy apologetics. Okay, you've researched. Um, and oftentimes we think that it's got to be someone with a PhD who can argue atheists and unbelievers uh, into silence. And we do. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are many scientists, PhDs, multiple masters in this and that and doctorates that are creationists. Do you guys know that? Okay. But many of them are silenced. Many in the universities are actually fired. If you hold to that, you're not even allowed to be a teacher here. Well, these are intelligent people who've done many years of schooling, much research, have done the work, put in the time, done the science, wrote wonderful articles, and sorry, we're just going to dismiss you because you're not willing to believe the lie that's on our agenda here. We see that happening all the time. It's sad, okay? But I'm thankful because a lot of these people, guess what? They are writing thousands and thousands of articles, okay? Um, a lot more logical, too, if you take the time to read. So those who can explain arguments for the existence of God, we love that, okay? We love the guys who can fire off three responses really quick to the theory of evolution and why it's not true or to explain where Cain got his wife. My, my son Phineas actually asked me that this week, okay? because we've been going through Genesis over and over again in preparation and uh, been listening to different translations. And he just asked the question. I'm like, hey, Finn, are you in here again? <laughs> awesome. He just asked me this week. We're listening to it in the car. He's just like, hey, can you pause it? Where did Cain get his wife? You know, and it's fun to have answers for that stuff, you know, and to talk that stuff. But I appreciate when men or women who have given their life uh, to this work, I really appreciate them. But this isn't, you know, it doesn't get us off of the hook of having to give a defense for our hope. You guys understand that? We need to know ourselves. Um, so every believer is called to have an answer or to give a defense. So Apologetics 101 begins not with having right answers to other skeptical challenges, but with having right lifestyles that are going to raise questions. Okay? Do people see the hope that you have in Jesus Christ in your life? That they're actually willing to ask you, okay, what's your secret? Where do you get this joy from? <laughs> you know, what is this? Why do you believe in Jesus? And then being able to testify, to give a reason. So we're not to roll over, but to defend. That's what the scripture calls us to. But not really defend ourselves here, but to defend what? You guys can look. It's the hope that we have. That's what we defend. You know, who cares if I'm right? <laughs> Doesn't matter what you think or I think. What does God say? And in regards to my hope as a believer in Jesus Christ, <laughs> what does that mean? How do we defend that? So really, hope is the uh, emphasis here for you and I. So many are so hopeless today, and sometimes uh, they pick up the Bible. Like, I need answers, Okay. I don't even know if life is worth living anymore. How many people, how many of you guys know somebody who has just been at the broken? They finally hit rock bottom and they finally picked up a Bible for the first time. I know a handful of people who've done that. First time. Some of you guys know Deanna Everson. Her dad, who's now with the Lord, uh, Bill, uh, one of my favorite pastors. I got to do a lot of youth retreats and ministry with him over the years. Some of you guys remember him. But he was at a point where he was just at the end. And he was in a hotel. And you guys know how the Gideons like to put Bibles in the, <laughs> uh, in the dressers there, in the hotel rooms? Yeah, guess what? 
Bill's at the end, ready to give up, and he grabs a Bible, and he just flips open. I forget which verse it is off the top of my head, but God spoke directly right to him right there, revealed himself. He ends up getting saved, you know? But what do you finally do? You finally began to seek the Lord. What do you have to say, God? Because God promises, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. You're going to find me. People need the word of God. But this is the last thing Satan wants anybody reading, knowing. That's why he's gotten out of our government schools, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. But um, you guys know that Christ alone is the only source of sure hope. Do you guys know that? I believe that with all my heart. Okay? Um, he alone provides a, solace, uh, a solid basis for our hope. So it's really ceasing the offensive at the right time in the right way. So if we're good, you know, every good defense has a good offense, right? <laughs> um, it's like Stephen in the Bible. You guys remember in the book of Acts? And they were not able to resist the wisdom in the spirit by which he spoke. I love that verse. You guys ever hear somebody where it's just like, yeah, okay, this is right now. Like, this is an oracle from God, like speaking right now. This is so clear, so right what can we do with that? Okay, That's the type of Christian I want to be. I want to have it right that I can give it right. And when people ask, that they're just like, whoa, never thought about that before. Never considered that. What truth? What hope? And again, guys, we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Okay, We're able to share. I also think of Paul before uh, Agrippa, you guys remember, it tells us then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Almost. Who have you been persuading lately? Who have you been having conversations with? Sometimes it's very easy for us to tell people why they're wrong. <laughs> but a lot of times they just end in a very heated debate and hatred and I'm now going to ghost you. We're no longer friends. We're not talking. Okay. We can win arguments all day long, but God doesn't want us to win arguments. He wants us to win people, souls. And we need to speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean we don't speak truth. No, people need the truth, but in how we do it. Okay. And I think when we read a scripture like this of giving a defense, uh, we need to know how to do that rightly. So we need to seize the offensive without being offensive. Amen? So question, how do we get the gospel back into our schools? Well, it's unconstitutional. That's what our Supreme Court said. No place in our government schools. We can't give them hope. We can't tell them the truth. How do we get it back into the schools? Which is part of the reason why I'm not so down with our Constitution. You guys know that? A lot of people place a lot of hope in man's government. And we have one of the best the world's ever seen. Probably the greatest government that's been established by man. But any government that leaves God out, I have a problem with. Okay? The world needs to know the truth. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven, guys. That's our role in this world. We get to represent Jesus Christ. We are his hands his feet guys so how do we get the gospel back in to our public schools 
Have you guys thought on that? Have you prayed on that? Have you considered? I know how they got out of the schools. Somebody complained that they didn't like it. What if Christian mom and dads went to the school board in their city and said, hey, I want my kids to know the truth. I would like the Bible to be taught. I want them to actually hear other theories than just this theory of evolution that has a lot of holes in it and hasn't been proven. Are those conversations even happening in our local cities? Do these boards even have to consider these things? Again, it's good for us to give a defense. We actually have to speak. We actually have to share. And let me tell you what, guys, it may not happen in that avenue. Okay? It'd be great if they were open to that. But people like to suppress the truth as we studied last week in Romans 1, right? There's no place for that. We want nothing to do with Jesus. We'll even study all the different religions of the world except for Christianity. If you guys ever wonder why that is a goal, why is that okay in our schools? Okay? But what would happen if the church would actually be out living out the Great Commission, sharing the gospel? What if somebody on that city board got saved, born again, had a voice, a representative? I've known a few that have actually done that. What a voice of reason for our communities. What if we knew the principal of the school? Hey, let's get to coffee. <laughs> let's talk. Let's reason. Let me share the good news with you. What if he or she got saved? What if our children were taught the truth and were able to give a defense? I remember in sixth, I had a student when I was youth pastor, and he was in sixth grade at the time. Sixth grade. You guys know, I told you again, we're brainwashing our kids from little on. Millions and millions of years, nothing blew up. I mean, they're learning that in the most basic books. Sixth grade, okay, evolution's being taught at length to our students. I had a science teacher call me, non-believer, and ask me if I could speak to my student who was in her science class, you know, because we had been studying the Bible and teaching that, hey, it's literal and the earth is probably about 6,000 years old. And he's been being disruptive in the class by asking too many questions. That's how he's being disruptive by asking her questions. This is what's going, I mean, this is local, guys, okay? And all, and the one that really got her was, you guys know we can tell how things, you know, there's many layers in the earth, and we can tell how old those layers are by what fossils we find, which length, okay? And he just simply asked the question, well, how do you know how old the fossils are? Well, by what layer we find them in. Well, isn't that circular reasoning? That's all he said. And she was undone about it. He was being logical and reasonable. That just completely makes sense. You can't really date anything because it is circular reasoning. Anybody that believes that, it's, it's unreasonable. Okay? But this is what our science teachers are teaching our children. Okay? And she was undone that our student would actually you know, bring up the word of God and stand upon the word of God. That's what our children need to be doing. They need the truth, that they can share the truth. Because what's going to happen? Many of these students, you guys know that most people don't go to church anymore? Most people have never even heard the creation account, what God said happened. 
What if our students actually spoke up in their classrooms and actually shared the gospel with their friends? How cool would that be? I took over a youth ministry quite a few years back at a church I grew up in. There was just a small handful of kids. It grew quickly. We had over 80 kids coming to youth group. They weren't the church kids. These kids were coming, and they would sit. You guys think I teach long on a Sunday morning now? We did the same thing back then. Bible studies were an hour. 11, 12-year-old to 18-year-old kids sitting there learning the word of God. Most of them unchurched. They were bringing their friends. They were sharing Jesus with their friends. Young kids getting saved. Beautiful. And what they do? They went back and shared with their friends, their mom, their dad, their brothers and sisters. So how do we get the gospel back in the schools, guys? I believe God's ways are way better than ours. Okay? I think if we just lived out the gospel and actually shared the gospel. Really quick. I want to show of hands, okay? When is the last time, maybe this last year, have you had a stranger come up to you in the last year? We live in a Christian nation, Christians everywhere. Have any of you guys had a stranger come up to you or somebody, maybe even you know that doesn't know that you're a Christian and try to share the good news, the gospel with you in the last year? Raise your hand, okay? I want you guys to look around the room. Are people hearing the good news of Jesus Christ today? No. I turn on the news, I hear a whole lot of lies and a lot of bad news. That's all I hear. When's the last time you heard on the news, the report the news, the best news of all time? You're not going to hear it. Okay? We need to be doing what God's asked us to do. How do we get the Bibles back in the schools, guys? Well, let's just do what God's asked us to do and share the gospel. Give a defense for the hope we have. Guys, I've been born again in the Spirit of God. Jesus has saved me, forgiven my sins, and I'm a sinful man. He's forgiven my sins. I've been adopted into his family. He really is God. He really did die on that cross, and he rose from the dead. He is alive. How do I know that? I'm born again, guys. He saved me. <laughs> okay? I talk with him. He talks to me. I see him at work. I see him touching lives all the time. I've seen miracles. This is real. Do we share with people what God has done in our life? Who he is? Look here. When it says we're to give a reason for the hope we have, it should be reasonable. Do you guys know that? Okay. We can give a lot of reasons, but it's actually reasonable. And that's one thing people aren't willing to do today is be reasonable. But we as believers, okay, we're to have a reason, not an excuse. Because when I talk to people about, well, specifically creation, evolution, I hear from the evolution a lot of excuses. Nothing ever reasonable, just excuse after excuse. And the same thing when it comes to people from, hey, I don't know if I'm going to believe the Bible or believe the gospel. It's a lot of excuses. You who've been sharing with people for a long time, that person, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> and they still haven't bowed their knee to Jesus, isn't a lot of excuses? Yeah. A lot of times when people are reasonable and they don't want to believe and they have a reason, you know what? 
I often ask them to go check it out. Research that. Find your facts on that. Kind of with the evolution theory. Okay? Well, this is, I was taught this at school. This is, I went to university. I have a degree in this. Show me proof. Show me proof. You know, a lot of people that take it serious and are reasonable, they go in looking and you're like, whoa, the proof isn't actually there. It's faith. Do you guys know that evolution, you have to have a whole lot more faith than a Christian does to believe in a Christian? I mean, that, the random chance of things just evolving doesn't happen, guys. Anyways, um, <laughs> it's truly a tragedy, I think, when we consider what's happening today in the modern church. So many members, if they're asked to explain what they believe and why they believe it, they can't do it. Some of you guys might be this morning. Why are we taking this much time? Okay, I, I thought we were going to cover two chapters this morning. We need to be able to give a defense, guys. We need to know the truth. We need to be reasonable. We need to be able to know it rightly and enough to be able to share it with other people. And that's why I'm slowing down a little bit. That's why I want to pass along some resources to you guys this morning. So... A lot of people must go through a lot of spiritual sweat and mental struggles, you know, when it comes to thinking out their faith. But we need to do that work. If you haven't done it, you need to do it. Because we can't give a defense unless we've done that ourselves. And we're always learning, okay? How many of you guys feel like you got a pretty good grasp on your faith? Yeah, handful of us. How many of you guys who just raised your hand, you got a pretty good, still have a lot of questions and you're still growing and you feel like there's still a lot to learn too? Yeah, I've preached over 3,000 studies in my life, guys. The more I study, the less I feel I know. <laughs> but there are those things that I've had to work through and study through that I'm so thankful that I took the time because now I can sit down and talk with somebody else to share with them the truth because it's the truth that's going to set people free. And we're also supposed to do it at Catch here in meekness, right? So don't share with your arrogance Okay, or with an air of superiority. Look at how great I am. I have arrived. I have all the answers. You know, how many of you guys like a know-it-all? Yeah, yeah, we just don't. We don't like know-it-alls, right? So don't be a know-it-all, okay? This isn't a big chance to show off all the thing, you know. I like to say when you're talking with somebody, scratch where it's itching. And in order to do that, we actually have to be listening to where they're coming from, Okay. I've hung out with, I love people that love apologetics. I love talking this kind of stuff. But I've been out street witnessing with people who love this kind of stuff. You know? And they come up and like, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Do you know that the first verse in the Bible is real? Do you believe in evolution? And they just want to go for, you know, the whole creation debate. Do you know what? Sometimes people could even care less about that. They're broken. They're at the end. They're wanting to give up. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. For some people, it is Genesis 1-1, creation, that's the stumbling block from them even willing to hear the gospel. But until we're actually willing to listen to hear where are they at, what are they struggling with, what do they believe, okay? We're not going to know, you know, what to scratch. You guys get that? So we need to be listening. Where are you at? What are you going through? What is your background? How did you come to these conclusions? 
Um, so don't make someone to be a fool or naive if they don't agree with you. Okay, belittling people and blasting people away. I haven't seen it get very far with people. Okay, and I've gotten to share the gospel with a lot of people over the years. Um, and that's kind of an art of learning how to come alongside somebody to share the truth with them. Um, so don't try to shove it down their throats. Don't ever think you'll debate somebody into the kingdom. Okay, rarely, rarely happens. And we are called uh, not to win arguments, but we're called to win souls for Christ. That's the bottom line. And I see today there's a lot of debating. And some of us Christians are the best ones at it. Go on Facebook for a little while. You'll see the great debates out there. We're great at debating. Great. You won your debate. And they're going to hell. No. We're called to love and speak truth to people in love. So use gentleness, love, a listening ear, be sensitive. You know, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Use discernment. Be praying, okay, for God to give you a defense. What's needed? And I love seeing God do that. There's been some times uh, when I was doing ministry up in the jail on a regular basis, I'd meet sometimes a dozen people in one day. You know, most of them don't know Jesus, no church background. They just got locked up, okay? They're looking at sitting, you know, a good chunk of time in a prison somewhere, and they're broken. Well, maybe I'll talk to some chaplain. Maybe he can <laughs> help me. Um, and I've had several people over the years just speaking the truth to them in love. The Holy Spirit just showed up in a radical way. I had a few people like freaking out, like, what is that? What is that? What that is, is you're finally broken and you're humble. And this is the truth of the gospel. And God is right here. He's revealing himself to you. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be a part of his family. And you have a choice right now. But you know what the common thing is with all those people? They were actually seeking and open for the first time. And a lot of times, guys, it wasn't a, you know, some apologetic that was needed to convince them of the faith. They were actually open to it. But there was a handful of people where, hey, we had to work through some things, some lies that they bought into. And it took you know, multiple meetings of working through things and having them read and consider and think. And, it, you know, it takes time. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, hey, I had a one-time confrontation conversation and it didn't go so well. Don't give up, okay? It might have to be 50 of those conversations before there's even a little breakthrough. Is that person worth 50 conversations? Absolutely, guys. And that's why we keep bringing the hope of Jesus to people. Wow. You guys. Okay, we're just going to fly. Uh, a few years back, uh, five years ago, we went to the Creation Museum. How many of you guys have heard of that? Answers in Genesis, phenomenal down in Kentucky. Uh, we took our youth group down there, um, which would be awesome for the youth group to do again. Uh, but I love their approach because you walk in, you guys know as Christians, we're looking at what we see in this world, um, fossils, evidences out there through the lens of the Bible, right? Well, evolutionists are looking through a different lens, okay? Billions of years, okay? That's how we're seeing everything. What I love, if you guys ever get an opportunity to go down there, I love the museum because they do it in a way like, hey, you know, 
you're totally wrong and this is why it's just complete folly for you evolutionists to believe this. No, they actually walk you through in a way of saying, hey, this is how a Christian would look at this, okay? And this is how an evolutionist would look at this. And you can kind of conclude like, hey, I understand where they're coming from. And if you're very reasonable, I remember we had a young man that came with us on that trip specifically that wasn't a believer and he was just in awe. He's like, I never heard these things before. And he literally, every exhibit stopped and read everything. And he was just being blown away. Like, I never knew why I wasn't I ever told about this stuff, you know? And I love answers in Genesis and their approach. Here's a young gal that went down and she got this t-shirt, there is a book. And I love that reality, okay? How many people just don't know the truth because they've never read? They've never considered, they never even questioned what God might have to say. So if you guys ever get a chance to go down to Kentucky, take in the Creation Museum, they also built this big bugger. <laughs> they literally built the ark as big as what it would have been. I don't know if it exactly looked like that, but I got to go down with my family just a few months ago. How many of you guys have been down to the ark encounter? Awesome, a handful of you guys. Um, I love it, okay? And inside, guys, it is way, way bigger. Like, like, it's awesome that they actually built it because how did God actually put all those animals in there? That's impossible. No, if you go in and understand that if God really did bring the animals in according to you know, their kind, there would have been enough room for them all because this is one stinking big boat, okay? Um, but anyways, it's an awesome thing. I'd love to take uh, the youth down to that too uh, at some point. But if you ever get an opportunity, Answers in Genesis has some phenomenal resources out there. Um, and they really do. They walk through. They literally believe the Bible. That's the thing that's so cool. And again, as we spoke about last time, this is foundational to our faith. Okay? We need to believe the word of God. And there are answers. There are answers there for anybody that's reasonable and willing to look for them. Um, yeah. So if you guys get a chance to go down, take in the Creation Museum, uh, the Ark Encounter is phenomenal. Uh, here are the different websites, just for a few uh, different ones out there. Some of you guys um, are familiar with Answers in Genesis. They got over 5,000 articles. You guys know how science, you know, different magazines are always putting out these papers by different uh, scientists, doctors. Well, they got a bunch by different scientists and doctors that actually, hey, here, look at the evidence. See what we're seeing that points to intelligent design, a newer Earth, okay, young Earth. Um, Institute for Creation Research is another phenomenal one. Uh, ICR, uh, Henry Morris, a bunch of great guys with that. Creation Research Society, I think these are the best three that are out there. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones that you guys can find. Uh, my kids have been enjoying a series called Jonathan Park. How many of you guys have heard of uh, Adventures in Odyssey? You're familiar with that. Dramatized stuff. Well, this is the same thing, okay? And it's uh, just different stories of uh, a family, dad's... Um, a scientist, um, and as they travel, I don't, even, I haven't listened to the whole, but they go around, and it's from a perspective of, hey, we believe the Bible, we believe in creation, and there's so many phenomenal apologetics. I remember years ago, Uriah's 12 now, uh, but he had a whole notebook where he was just writing down all these cool scientific things that he was learning from this series, you know, and he had a season life. Hey, when I grow up, I want to be a creation scientist. But it's just so cool. Here's my son at that time was probably eight, nine years old, you know, and he had a pretty good grasp on a lot of science that most people never consider or ever look at. Um, anyways, there's just a lot of neat resources out there. So I'd love to talk more about that, but we got to wrap things up. We considered last week in Romans, 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay? No one is going to be able to stand before their maker someday and have excuse. You guys understand that? No one's going to be able to do that. Well, I was taught in school that you weren't real. Hey, <laughs> creation alone testifies to a creator. You just need to be reasonable and logical. And God is faithful. If anybody seeks him, they're going to find him. But we also studied there, guys, we end up worshiping creation rather than the creator. And we see that all around us today. And it's sad. And because of that, we're willing to worship other idols. We suppress the truth. And our minds become debased because of it. And that's why we see so much chaos, so much evil before us everywhere right now, guys. Because we think we know better than God. So, you guys know that the volume of the book is about Jesus, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. It's all about Jesus, okay? I love the Gospel of John. It starts very similar to the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Word, the volume, even creation, it's all about Jesus. It's so cool to think we're going to get into it a little bit, okay? But we talked about last time, Elohim, the plural word for God. We're even going to see the Trinity presented in Genesis chapter 1. But it's all about him. And we're told in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then we're told in verse 14 of that chapter that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God literally came 2,000 years ago, guys, full of grace and truth. He came. But we want to suppress the truth. Even today, we can talk about God. We talk about religions. But have you guys, it might just be me, but have you guys noticed that you bring up Jesus specifically? Then people have problems. We can talk religion, but not Jesus. We want to suppress the truth. Why is that? It's the last thing Satan wants anybody doing, is considering God, considering the gospel. We want to suppress the truth. We're already over time, and I got a whole bunch more. Um, next week, or next time we're in here, um, I want to specifically look at, and I was hoping to get through this with you guys this morning, is what does creation reveal about God specifically? What does it reveal about him? So I want you guys to be chewing on that in preparation for next time as we consider the creation account. Hey, that's cool, God created, but what does that actually show us about God? Because if we're without excuse... If creation declares the glory of God, what is it declaring? What does it show us? So next time, we'll consider a lot of that. And Lord willing, get through here. I'm sorry, guys. I really, the heavens and the earth. Okay, that's the entire universe. We finished verse one this morning, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to talk more about that, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful so much. For how you love us, we're thankful that you've allowed us the grace even to have time this morning just to consider uh, the scriptures. There's a lot more we could consider, a lot more we could um, talk about in regards to, you know, just things that are being taught, how we like to suppress the truth. We ask that you forgive us. I know I'm guilty of it, Lord. I'm, I'm really good at making excuses. But we thank you that you're bigger than our excuses. Father, that you are right, 
Lord, we want to we wanna ask of you to help our unbelief in any way, God. Lord, that we would be reasonable. Lord, it's <laughs> one thing I love about what, what the scriptures declare is that you've invited us to come and reason together with you. God, that is so kind and compassionate that we can actually come to you with questions and be real. And I would pray for any that would be seeking here today. God, that they would really open their heart to you and really seek you because I know you will reveal yourself to them. That their sins can be forgiven. That eternal life is legit. God, you've written eternity in our hearts. We know it's there. And we know we can't save ourselves. That's why you're the savior of the world, Jesus. Thank you so much for the grace that has found us. I do pray for these brothers and sisters of mine that you go before them this week, God. Help each one of us to keep our eyes on you. Give us opportunities, Lord, to give a defense for the hope that we have. Lord, we want to share the gospel. We want to do that well, God. I pray that you'd stir up uh, our community, Lord, our neighbors, our family. God, their hearts would be open to, to you, to the truth. God, we know that you came for freedom's sake, Lord. You desire to set people free. You're in the business of making things new. We thank you for that. So we give thanks to you for this time this morning. I pray in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen.